morning. I hope you're not tired of God's word. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I hope you're not tired of God's word. Good morning. I'm actually very, very excited. Very. I think daily we're getting closer and closer to something. Good morning. Morning to all the houses. Yeah, so I, I'm I'm actually very excited, if I'm to be honest with you with you. I know that we're being pushed into a realm. I know that God is determined and I needed to say this to you again. God or I, I needed to repeat this to you that God is determined to blessing you and I. And I know that that's something that it seems like, Pastor Obi, you've just been saying, you've been saying, you've been saying. Um, we'll go into scriptures. Um, and if you are paying attention to the pattern and the timings of the nation family, you would know that God is determined to bless. There are men, there are women that God is determined to to lift in this time. And as we have seen in the word, and maybe as a reminder of what I said to you um, this week, what God wants to do here is that he calls you to a height. There at the top of the mountain, he speaks and makes agreement with you before he sends you back out. Remember that the instruction was, come to the mountain and stay here. Do you know where you're, you're, you're going to find or you're going to see yourself fighting resistance? Is when you finally get to that height. So for the COD family right now, you are hearing word after word after word. And the word seems to be interrupting everything that you should be doing as in quote to the world, as a responsible person. The word comes and it interrupts you. And I'm not ignorant of that at all. But I want you to know that the place that you're going to fight resistance most is when you have got to the height or the top of the mountain. Where God says to us, as he said to Moses, that come up here to the mountain and stay here. So what happens is that you come up to a mountain. There's a dimension of word. There's a dimension of us pressing in. There's a dimension of us calling on God's name, seeking him. But what happens is that when you get into the mountaintop or get to the mountaintop, there will be all kinds of powers and activities that will be calling you back down from the mountain. They tell you, is it not enough now? You know, what happens is that the forces and the nature of this world will, be, will begin to determine to you, have conversations with you by, uh, and saying, is it not time for us to leave this mountain? It's been about two, three weeks, two years, three years. We have been here. But remember that there's a reason why God says stay. Because he is the one writing on your heart. It is not you writing God's word on your heart. It is God writing his word on your heart. So this morning I woke up and I just started listening to worship and worshiping because 
the excitement in me is that all of a sudden, it almost seems like the words we are hearing are almost becoming like laws in our heart. The law of love, the law of faith, the law of intimacy. It's God writing certain things into our hearts and minds. So what you must do is fight for your, what would I say? Fight so that you can remain. The fight, yeah, let me say it like that. The fight for you is to remain. Now, look at the kind of fights you will have. You have to ask yourself, very few people, if not, there shouldn't be anybody that's going to tell me that they've seen a demon before. No one's going to say that Satan appeared to them in their room. So the attacks of Satan or the attacks of, of this world to pull you from God's presence are not... Um, Unless you understand the word, they are not the obvious. Yeah? So they are masked by family issues. They are masked by, I don't have what I need. They are masked by sicknesses. They are masked by things that will keep you in the realm of humans. I want you to remember carefully, carefully this morning or rem remind yourself as I speak to you or as the Holy Spirit speaks to us that what God actually wanted for Adam and Eve was for them to be God-like. They were made in the image of God. He created them, male and female. He created them in the image of God. They were not meant to be human. So do you remember when I taught you that Satan in quote did not necessarily lie? Because the activities of Satan, do you remember when um, Christ said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan, for your concerns are not God's concerns, but the human affairs. You care about what humans think. And it was from that scripture, or the, the, the revelation of that scripture, that we realized something. That the way that Satan operates is in the realm of human activity. Are you listening to me this morning? He's going to keep you in that realm. And that's why there are certain words that the Holy Spirit brings to counteract the schemes of Satan in your life. When he says things like, sometimes for you to meet the appointment of God, you're going to have to disappoint the appointment of men. Sometimes you're going to have to disappoint men for this moment to appease God. Because if you appease God, you will eventually please man. You eventually, so imagine that there's certain debts today that you cannot ignore in order to meet God. You will never deal with that debt. You will never deal with that expense you need to make. So why do I start the word like this? To call your heart and mind back to the mountain. Because we know that there are powers that be that wrestles with your mind and your heart. So that God will not have a means to write on it. Again, it is not the skillful. Because I'm still going to go back to Jacob and Esau this morning. And eventually to Peter. But you see, it is not the skillful that is going to be the one called. It's not the skillful that will end up having the blessing. No, the Bible says, have you seen your calling brethren? That not many that are noble are called. Meaning not many that are socially accepted or socially likable will be the ones accepted by God. 
So you see, for you and I, COD, I, I know in my heart that the Holy Spirit said, I should say this to you, that the blessing is upon you. Everything that you are facing right now is, a, is the attribute, is the indication that the blessing or the entitlement, let me say, for the blessing is upon you. But if there are going to be anyone having the blessing, I want you to know this for sure, that there's a certain working that you must produce so that you may have the blessing. The topic of conversation will therefore have to be, what is the work? Because when we look into the life of Jacob, Jacob's work was staying. No, you're not listening to me. So I just said to you that your wrestle, your resistance will be to remain. Your struggle, and I could have taken you to when Paul began to speak about these things, but not today. But you would see that your struggle, my struggle will be to fight, to remain. Because I know that there are powers calling my mind and heart to other things. My prayer that I have been praying and been praying for the COD family, and I said this to someone yesterday, that wherever our hearts and minds has been called to, bring it back to the word. My affections will be in the word. It will not be in anything else. So look at what God is doing with us. He's calling us to the mountain. There on the mountain, at disappointment with God, what God is doing is that he intends to write on your heart. He intends to write on your minds. He wants to put the laws of God in you so that you will not be someone that knows God from a distance. That's me going ahead of myself. Or knowing God based on form. But you will know God in regards to details. You will not know God as maybe he's like this. You will know him for who he is. The son boasts that he knows the father and that the father knows him. That's a dimension that we can walk into. The only reason why Christ came here as a physical man, died and resurrected, was because he said, not Pastor Obi, that I have come to show you the way. Meaning that there's a level and a dimension of God that we can access. But before Christ, we did not know how to. Now, Christ became the visible expression or representation of how we can access the knowledge of God. How we can finally, because what you must be frustrated with is that the church, when you look at the church, it is clear that they do not know God. And you can make up your decision to settle for what you have seen. Or if your heart is a seeker, you are going beyond the norm. You're pushing to enter. You are laboring to enter. That This God that we speak about is not someone floating somewhere. He is near deep. But let me calm down this morning. Let me slow down this morning. So again, God calls us to the mountaintop. There he intends to write his word on our hearts and on our minds before he can send us. I don't want you to forget this, that God is making arrangements right now. Listen to me. You see, as we're sitting, if your eyes are set only on the physical, COD, I hope you're listening to me, those of you tuned in. Whether you're working or wherever, wherever you are, please try your best to listen. I want you to know that as much as you see, so right now I'm in a room of a few people, as much as you see physically the person next to you, I want you to know this for sure, that what God is doing, even as you're sitting next to each other, in the hearts of some people, 
He's making agreements on sending them out. You see what I've just said to you? I always question, and the fight that I will have is, why, does it, why is it so hard for someone to believe or see what is being said? Then I realize is, it's dependable on your belief. Yeah? Believing is what's going to account you as righteous. Simple. Two, it depends on the conversation going on in their hearts. So as we're sitting here right now, someone's worried about something outside of here. The problem is, is that exactly what I'm trying to say to you, that's the scheme of the enemy to make you not the one that God wants to send out. Someone is worried about, you see, when we come into God's presence, they're thinking about time. I need to go back into this. They think about this person's offended me. They're thinking about how am I going to sort this out? There's this problem. These are the schemes. So that you will be missing from what God wants to do. I went to sort out something for my passport with, Pastor, with Minister Tomwa yesterday. And I was sitting in the passport photo, or whatever you call it, snappy snaps, yeah? And as I was see, seated to take my picture, I was just looking at the kids. There was kids in front of me. And I was looking at them talking and imitating and acting. And well, Tomwa could see me just smiling. And maybe it's just me being extra, but looking at the kids, I actually deep, and you see what I'm about to say, it's so simple, it will fly over your head. But I actually deep that looking at these kids, they are the future of tomorrow. You see these kids, whatever the world we evolved to is hidden in these kids. It's hidden in these kids. Now, what do they need? People that can bring out what will help contribute to the progression of this world. Now, why did I say that? Let's pause that for a moment. So now what God wants us to do, he takes us to the mountain. Why am I repeating this? So that you know and you can use this moment to call your mind and heart back. Because right now, your heart can be in, I need to do this. When I keep repeating saying, God has called us to the mountain, you can wrestle in your heart saying, no, my mind and heart must be here. I don't want to be seated amongst people but I am not seated where God is. I don't want to be in the house of God with others because what I'm going to emphasize on today is Esau. And going ahead of myself is, no matter what you think of Esau, please, COD, I want you to hear this carefully, that Esau was not a servant. Esau was a son. Are you sure you're ready for the word today? Esau was a son. Whatever Esau was going to be and now represent, I want you to know he was a son. And let me tell you something, scripture never denied him as a son. So yes, your own mind, your theology can make you think that this was the great fornicator. And I'm going to show you some things today. But what you must never forget is that this man was the son. So Immediately when I say that to you, there's a certain caliber of people I'm talking to. There's a people of a certain place, authority, entitlement that I'm speaking to. But so that I don't rush this, again, God has said, as for COD, nation, family, I am calling you to the mountains. So wherever your mind may be today, your heart may be today, 
You will do yourself a good service if you pull your heart and mind away from those situations. The Bible says that you should not fear the one that can only bring destruction to your body. But you should fear the one that will bring destruction to both your body and your soul. So there's an authority greater than the situations I'm going through today. It doesn't matter how bad it seems. We struggle in the hope we have because we know that there's a living God. Again, that's not what I'll teach today. So look at what happened so that I can get to, to Jacob and Esau today and then finally Peter. We look at the life of Moses. Moses was going to be a first dimension of God's word revealed to the people. It's from the story of Moses that we realize that when God wants to send a man into the world, he calls them to the mountain. Now look at the story. As we saw in Genesis 24, and we won't go there. Moses was called, God spoke to Moses saying, come with Aaron, come with Nadab and Abihu and 70 elders of Israel. Let them come up and see me. I want you to know that there's millions of people that were not given invitation to come up. The majority will not have. They are the same people. They are the same flesh and blood. Every single person included in this story was a descendant of Abraham. The man that God made a promise and a covenant with and the man that God called his friend. So what I want you to understand is that the millions that were at the foot of the mountain, the 70 that were called up, Moses, Joshua and Cole, I want you to know that they were all as equally entitled. But the fruit of their life will be different depending on how far they chose to go with God. At the foot of the mountain, millions, the majority, are they that stay at the outer court. They are satisfied with a far relationship. This relationship of the foot of the mountain, they will see a God as a consuming fire. The scripture says that they saw the glory of God upon the mountain as a consuming fire. This God just seemed like he consumes my day. This God just seems like he consumes my passions and affections. This God seems like all he wants to do is rid me of my freedom and joy and pleasures. That's, that's a dimension that certain people see with God. And listen to me, those people serve God but on the basis of only fear. Their relationship with God is so far away that they can only see a God that consumes everything. So their basis of their relationship with God is only fear-based. They only serve God because they do not want to go to hell. It has not become a love relationship. It has not become a relationship that they're willing to put any form of effort into. They are people that need someone to mobilize them. If Moses is gone for too long, they are going to go back to a certain lifestyle. These are men, babies, that have not made up any decision in their life to take responsibility for their relationship. Many are these kind of people. In this present day, there are still millions at the foot of the mountain. So you see predominantly there are churches that ride on the fifth factor that God will judge you if you don't live a good life. 
The fear factor that if I don't live this type of life, I'm going to be destroyed by my enemies. It's fear-based. It's a, it's a form of truth. It's true. But there's a truth that they have not been given access to. Or rather, there's a truth that they have not been willing to press into. Those based on fear. Now, there's another category of people. These are those that we will call pastors, leaders, men of encounter. These were they that God said, come up a bit with. The 70 elders came up a bit with Moses. And do you know what the Bible says? They, the Bible says, and they saw the God of Israel. They saw the God of Israel. And do you know what they said? They started to describe what they saw. They saw the God of Israel that under his feet was something like it was blue, like lapis lazuli, as PT says that is correctly pronounced. They were, they were able to define or describe a dimension of God. And do you know what they did there? Yes, yeah, so these are those that has revelations. These are they that has a certain encounter. But do you know what they did? No, guys, are you with me? Do you know what they did as a response with that? God did not raise his hand against them, as scripture says. Because God instigated or set the invitation. These were not men that just said anything. God was saying that, look, should a man regard himself as a possible leader of tomorrow, you can approach me. Do you know what leadership is? If there's a man, I just said to you that the millions have no sense of responsibility. They are sheep needing to be led. Whereas leaders are people of responsibility. So I know, let me give an example. I know that I am the future of the next generation. The new world is what I'm being prepared for. It's what you are being prepared for. Now that responsibility is what makes me say to myself, I need to approach God beyond the many. But you see, there's still a problem with that dimension because these men, when they saw the form of God. These people settled too quickly. They began to call feasts. The Bible never said that God ate and drank with them. They ate and drank when they saw God. They began to call festivals. They encamped at that dimension. Are you listening to me, COD? They decided to settle there. They said that there was no need to press in further because I have seen a form. They pressed in in comparison to a people, not according to the determination of their heart. No, so someone would say, I will give this because I know somebody else has given that. That is like the elders. But there are others who say, I'm pressing in beyond what's the norm. I'm pressing in beyond what's ordinary. I am like Solomon who will give a type of giving that it beats even God's imagination, And quote. What is God saying to us? What am I trying to highlight? These men had a form of God. So they were not those that were too far apart. But they had only a form of God. And they called festivals. They began to be celebrated. But let me tell you, there were still yet some people few in number 
In this case, two in number. Who said that, why would I choose to settle at the feet of God? That the fact that there's a feet is only an indication that there's a face. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? People saw a certain dimension of God. They saw the wealth that comes with serving God. They saw what was at his feet. But there's a Joshua, there's a Moses, there's a breed, a type of people who says that if there is a feat, it means that. Because remember, what others were going to see was only a consuming fire. They couldn't see a form. They just knew that there was something that existed. They knew that there was something divine, supernatural that existed. Something that they could not comprehend or understand fully. This was not something that they can fathom. But you see, what happened was that there were certain people that when they saw the feet, they were like, okay, if there's a God that has a feet, that means that God must have a face. No, you, do you understand what I'm saying to you? Meaning that I'm not going to settle at a feet because there's a greater detail of God that I need to press into. When God showed the feet to the 70 elders, it was to provoke new seekers. It was to tell people, if I'm showing you that there's a feat, because God is not a human being. But you see, the fact that human beings can see the revelation of God and say that's a feat, was for God to communicate to them that as a human, if you have a feat, you have a face. I don't communicate with someone's feet. I communicate with their face. So what God says, there was a breed of people that says, I will not settle. For this dimension, you see the church as you've seen it. There's been a dimension of church that is a form of God, but there's no detail to it. So they go from one program to another program. They go from one, one scripture reference saying, this is what we need to do, to another. They have a form, but they do not have the detail. But God says to us that I am not a human being. I am spirit, but if I show you feet, it was not for you to go and settle, Chrissy. The dimension of God that you have had access to is not for you to settle. If you have seen a feat, it's for you to know that there is a face. Now, come up to the revelation. Come up to the type of relationship that is friend-based. Come up to the revelation, to the friendship that I can speak to you detail to detail. That I have prophets, Aaron and Cole, who I speak to them in dark speeches, in forms. But that's because they are allocated. They are at the position of the feet. But as for you, if you're going to be like a Moses, I want you to know that you should press in. But you see why those at the feet, those that only saw, so there was the foot of the mountain, then there was the feet of God, then there was some that were gaining access to the face of God. The only reason why some people, most people, could not press into the face of God, do you know why? Because the saying that anyone that sees God cannot live was a deterrent to them yeah they saw that a dimension of God was going to cost them climbing up to a certain dimension of God did not require much ask yourself ask those who lead you I will tell you it did not take much for us to start seeing visions it didn't take much for us to do certain things I want you to know that whatever you saw as youth revival was an encounter with the feet of God. 
it was not yet what God wanted to give. It was not yet what God wanted to show or commit to a new generation. At the feet of God, there will be no writing on your heart and on your mind. There will be no information. There will be no word being passed to those that are defeat to a new generation. So I get why God had to crush it. Only to say that there's more. Only to say that you can press into another dimension. Are you listening to me? Every dimension you see was only God saying that there's still more. So rather than settle, climb. Rather than feast, seek, fast. Mourn and look for him. Because there's still another dimension that God is saying that you can press in into. God is committed to blessing us. So Joshua and Moses, the few. And why I said I can choose to refuse to be certain people. And I can say that this is the likeness of me. Meaning that I know that I am going to be, and a few that choose to agree with me, I'm going to be one of those that keep pressing until we see details. Because it is accessible. But again, those at the feet of God, those that can say, I saw the form. They said that, look, as far as I have a revelation, it's greater than the millions. Oh, God. It's greater than what the, the majority of people have gained access to. So I am one to be celebrated. But you see with them, they are not going to press into God's face because like I said to you, for you to really see God is going to require your life. The payment to see God is going to cost you you. The whole 27 years of our lives or the whole 25 years of your life, everything that you are from the way you act to the way you speak to the way you process things is going to be the payment for the face Christ is going to be the payment do you remember when you hear words of Paul he said I counted it all loss that I may gain Christ so you hear a lot of people saying that they've gained a certain realm with Christ they haven't they are only having uh, okay let me say this they are only living off a compensated blessing yeah, you will understand why I said that. They're only living. So Christ died. And yeah, you'll be, you'll be someone that can participate in his salvation because you believed. But the problem is, was that there was a blessing for Anna. And that one's going to require her death. So you see, I said to you yesterday that as a leader, stop worrying about how people are receiving stuff. The Bible says, work on your own development and focus on the teaching. For your progress will then be seen by all and then you will bring salvation to not only yourself but everyone who hears you. So you know what happens? A leader can access a dimension of God that creates a home for many. But what people don't know is that each generation has a blessing they must press into. Example. And Abraham accessed the realm of blessing and now Isaac and Jacob can enjoy of it. But Isaac also has to press in. What his father couldn't do, he had to keep sowing until he can start reaping. He had to access a certain blessing. Not only that, Jacob gets to a place and he also has to fight for the blessing. But you would say to yourself, were you not already blessed because of Abraham? Yes, but that's compensated blessing. But there's a blessing that was designed for an akin. 
that is going to require his effort. So we look at scripture and these men, the elders said that, look, we've got a revelation and that's greater than the many. So I can settle here. Because these were people that said that, you know what? I want a form, a revelation of his form, but I want to balance who I am still. You see that person that says, I don't like how people talk to me. That is an elder. That is not a Moses or a Joshua. A person that says that when people do this, I don't like it. I was looking and rebuking myself. They cannot be, this is what God is saying. They cannot be any reference of your old self when you're trying to see me. So you can't be someone that says things like, I hate when boys pull up and it provokes a certain act in me. What does that mean? You will never press into the dimension of God's face. Why? Because it requires death to get there. And you see that death, I understand it's hard. I understand it's difficult because it's the whole 22 years of your life. It's everything that you are. It's everything that you've been exposed to. It's everything that you've been taught. It's going to cost you everything. And you see, the majority of who's hearing me are not able to pay that price because they have not counted the cost. They have not said, you know, how you make decisions in life is that you understand that everything will have its pros and everything will have its cons. Now you have to sit down and see if the pros outweigh the cons for you to proceed with, the, with whatever decision you need to make. We are pressing in, COD. This is why the trajectory of your life cannot be common. Because you are a holy people. You are a people who have determined to side with God in a wicked world. You are people that have said that we will work with God to bring him back the nations and the kingdoms of the world back to his kingdom. But God first calls us to the mountain. So in case you are somebody that says to themselves that I hold no responsibility and I'm fine with just being led. I want you to know who you are. You are a person that never gets to see even the form of God. You're only someone that sees God that consumes your time. You know, you want to be free, but it seems like our oh, word has come and consumed my time. You know that you're the millions at the feet, at the foot of the mountain. But you may be someone that, you know, like you have visions and dreams, but you still balance a certain life. You know, the people, the elders, these were they. I said it to you yesterday. These are they that had the form of godliness, but denied the power thereof. Their conduct nullifies their claim on faith. Their, their conduct does not match the faith that they profess. They can speak with passion, but their conduct does not match the passion. They say all kinds of things, but they have not, made a, they have not determined to press into God because for you to access a certain realm, God wants you to kill. God wants you to slaughter who you've become. God wants you to slaughter who you've become so that you can access a dimension with God. So I'm sitting here when you see me escape you and go into prayer or looking into the word. I'm looking into the mirror of the world of the word, seeing who I was in the beginning and realizing the image I need to slaughter because I can't slaughter animals. It's not what God is pleased with. No, if you hear me, I'm tying a lot of words I've been saying to you. I can't slaughter animals. It will only provide a temporary remedy but what God is asking for is the slaughter of me because like Esau, Esau 
became, oh God. I loved it when Pyrrhix emphasized on that. He became, it wasn't who he was. You will understand where I'm going in the scripture in a moment. When I begin to speak about Esau, because the problem was what he had become. What he had become was what was going to make him miss God. Because I told you, every single person from Moses down to the last person in the three million of Israel, they were all descendants of Abraham, meaning they were as equally entitled. But some became other things. Let's go to Genesis chapter 25 and start the word today. All of that was just whatever. But 25, Genesis chapter 25. Let's look again into the story of Jacob and Esau. I want to quote to you soon the scripture that says, For Jacob I loved, but Esau I hated. The questions we have to ask God is that, God, are you an unjust God? Are you a God that has favorites? Would you say you hate somebody without having a justified reason? Because you know before when we read this, we have said, oh, it's just the way God chose it to be. No, God is a just God, meaning there will always be a reason for what he does and what he says. And as we begin to press into the dimension of God, which is face-to-face relationship, friendship, when God can see you in the world and even your apparent mistakes will still add to you wealth like Abraham. It's going to be because we understand certain details, his ways. You understand that you will not be someone that because of power you abuse people because what God knows is that there are people in power that abuse people but he needs people that will reflect his glory. People that will deal with people righteously. Do you know, do you know what I want you to say? You will be rewarded for your wickedness in this world. No, the world rewards men for their wickedness. But you see what God wants to show are people who can have a sacrificial life. So what will begin to happen is that there will be a breed of Christians, the nation family, that will access a realm of wealth. And at that point of great wealth, when the world shows wickedness there, you will show sacrifice. Yeah, billions will come and you're still stretching, scratching your head, thinking, how am I going to meet this seed? Oh, billions. But there will still be a dimensional sacrifice because you're meant to be telling a story. So every man and every character we see in scripture tells a story. And along the way of your journey, you can begin to see when you're going astray, when your heart is being led astray because you're entering a certain spirit. You're entering a certain character, a dimension. But let's look again. Genesis chapter 25. Let's read from verse 19, please. This is the account of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Yeah. Abraham became the father of Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethul, and the Aramean from Padam Aram, and the sister of Laban the Aramean. Mm. Isaac prayed to the Lord on the behalf of his wife because she was childless. Because she was childless, he prayed. Carry on. The Lord answered his prayer. And his wife, Rebecca, became pregnant. Mm -hmm. The babies jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. The Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. Do you notice that in this scripture, God has not yet said, Esau, I hate it. 
Jacob I loved. Have you noticed that yet? Yeah? All that was said here was that there are two nations in your womb. Two peoples will be with will, two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. As PT gave us with revelation, what I want you to understand is that God was not saying one was cursed or one was blessed. God was trying, as he is with you, to tell an order to a world. It was the revelation that our father gave us that made us understand that what God was trying to show us was how the spirit and the flesh should function together. Are you following me? But you see the problem now is that in the course of God trying to tell a story, men became something. Again, the Lord said to her, not that I hate the younger or hate the older, sorry, and love the younger. It's just that whatever is happening within you, no, you don't understand me, COD. So whatever is happening within the COD family, I'm actually trying to tell an order. I'm trying to tell a story. You are a letter being written to a generation. The problem is, is that in the course of me trying to tell a story, you became something and became an addition to a story. Okay, do you understand what I've just said to you? Yeah, so that we don't make this complicated because today's word is not complicated at all. Do you understand what I've just said to you? Again, the Lord did not say to Rebecca that I hate the older. And because I hate him, that's why he's going to have to serve. God was trying to tell an order. This order was going to be your flesh will prosper if it serves the spirit. That's the revelation our father, Pastor Toby, shared with us. That's what the Holy Spirit needed us to know. In fact, it was this that showed us that this is the key to prosperity. That it doesn't matter if it's called trade and family. It's still Esau. But if Esau is going to be blessed, he must be aligned. He must serve Jacob, which is the spirit, the covenant that's upon your life. As simple as that. But in the course of this, like I said, when God tries to tell us a story, there are certain things that I want us to now look into scripture today that makes men become almost like a compensation. Verse 24, go on. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red. I said to you, check when you do research on a skin, a body showing redness at birth is actually talking about its health. So in God's eyes, before Esau or Jacob had done anything, they were pure in their state. Esau was not a wicked man. Because remember the point I'm trying to drive to was that Esau was a son. So that you can hear what God needs us to learn from this. The first to come out was red. And his whole body was like a hairy garment, yeah? So they named him Esau. So because of this, they named him. That's the problem. What the world begins to name you. I remember being with Pastor Enrique one day and we was looking at one of his close friends. And they said that his name is an animal. And I said, did he call himself that or was it a name that people called him? And Pastor Enrique said it was a name that people called him. 
And do you know what I found so interesting? That you can begin to manifest what people are consciously or subconsciously calling you. The problem is not in the creation of God because whatever God created was good. The problem was what man and what you were exposed to named you. So you would see someone that was genuinely passionate for people, but culture, poverty, poverty, and in the place of poverty, you would see all kinds of disputes. You would see violence there. So you would see someone that has the heart of posturing becoming a gang member. Why? God never called them a gang member. What they were exposed to named them. No, so when people say, it's just how I am, it's not how you are. Someone gave you a name. Someone gave you a name and here's the problem. The first order of Adam was that characters will be begotten by the name given to you. The lion will begin to act as a lion when he is named a lion. I said yesterday that Eve, no not Eve, the woman was a function. But it was when Adam called her Eve, which means mother of all living things. It was at that point that the ability to give birth came. Before then, giving birth was going to be an order of God through the speaking of the word. Are you following me so far? So I want you to understand that what God created was pure. All good things come from above. There is no shadow of inconsistency in God. So when people begin to blame God for the type of people that come out of the house of God or wherever, I want you to know that God's not responsible. It's the wickedness. Is the deviation of men's heart that named men accordingly that made them different. So his brother could, so because they saw him as hairy, because they saw him as red, they named him Esau. And after this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's hill. So they named him Jacob. Whatever Jacob was going to become was because of what they named him. In case you think names are small and angels still needed to come to Joseph and say that the child of Mary, you are to name Jesus. You see, let me tell you something and I'll be daring to say this. Should Joseph made a mistake and not call him Jesus, he could not have been Jesus. <laughs> he could not have been because God came and the order of setting his Nazarite, the one dedicated to him, is that you give them their name and their covenant. Do you know how your life will be blessed? It's when you come to a leader and a leader gives you a name. You see that name, like I said, it's not just saying Chrissy. Chrissy is a function. That's the name that keeps you in the blessing. So you would see that there's no way for Jacob to manifest the blessing unless God called him a name. Oh God, are you guys listening to me? Jacob took the blessing, the birthright of his brother Esau but still had to go around the world looking for the blessing. Do you know why? Because God didn't name him. It was when God saw him, struggled with him and said, what is your name? Meaning you are only what you are today. Your struggle is only because of what somebody else named you. Now I will call you Israel, Israel, God's prince, the one that struggles with God. I will call you that name and now you will become a nation. So I am pressing in in God's presence so that he can rename me because you can only become or you can only manifest what people have called you.
I hope you understand these things. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. Yeah. The boys grew up. Okay. So now they're evolving. They are growing. And what happened to Esau? Big problem. Go on. And Esau became a skillful hunter. The issue is that Esau became another man. Esau became somebody else. Again, what made us, I told you Esau, before you start shouting, the great fornicator. <laughs> Esau, who was he? A son, first of all. Two, before you start to point at a man that was in history, I want you to know that Esau is a character now of the man that is open to the world. He's a man of the open field. This is a man, a woman of an open mind. They do not live a life of restraint. They do not give care to what they are looking for. They do not give care to what is being fed to them. And Esau became a skillful hunter, a man of the open. The problem is if you become a man, a woman that do not have leadership that can say, hey, you are not a person of the open, you are a man of the house. There's a covenant and this is your participation. This is your role in the house. The boys grew up and Esau became a skillful hunter. And yeah, a man of the open country. Yeah. While Jacob was content. While Jacob was content. He was not trying to be any other thing. Whatever he will become will be declared from his home. While Jacob was content to stay at home among the tents. The tents where God meets, where God speaks. Isaac, who had a taste for wild game, go on. Loved Esau. Interesting fact, but not today. Go on. But Rebecca loved Jacob. But why was it that Rebecca would love Jacob? Why was it that the man of covenant would then love the one that God would eventually hate? Once, we'll get there, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, yeah. Esau came in from the open country. Where was he coming from? The open country. He was coming from the open country, but in a state. You see the person that is open, there's a state that you will come to. The man of the open will be tired. The man of the open will grow weary. The man of the open will be battered and bruised. And why would they be battered and bruised? They are looking for something there. They're looking for the blessing. You see the thing about Esau? Esau went around looking for an opportunity to be great. He was looking for an opportunity to be, um, to be rewarded. Jacob, however, stayed at home. What am I trying to show you with that? You see Esau, or the man called Esau, or the man like Esau, they are out and about looking for opportunities to show a blessing, to show greatness, to show advancement, to show wealth. They're looking, they're out and about trying many things. But in their looking for opportunities, they miss it. We're going to get to the story that you'll realize that what made Esau miss it was the man he'd become. Again, my duty is, not, is, to, is to correct our minds towards God because God does not hate anybody without 
reason. Neither does he love anybody without reason. He's a just God. Do you, no, no, you know sometimes we hear these titles. Do you ever sit down and think what just means? You know just means like you can be someone he loves, but he's only going to give something that is just. No, so let me ex- give you an example. Isaac, was not, his love was not given to Jacob, but the just decision was for Jacob to carry the blessing. So people look at whether a leader loves them or not. No, remain in his word because the one that rewards is just, not sentimental. People try to trade being just by being sentimentally attached. This is why I said to people that usually it's the people that are close to you that don't understand principles. Let me make that clear because people have asked, oh, is there a trap if I'm close to you? So let me make it clear through the word. No, you can be very close. Peter was very close. John was very close, but they also had to understand principles because sentiment can deceive you and make you think you're walking along principles. It doesn't work like that. So what should you be a man of more? Principles. The man in the world that grows even to become successful, they're very principle-based. Do you know who the only people that are very sentimentally attached? Poverty-driven people. A parent that has nothing is sentimentally attached to their children. But a person of wealth almost don't even have a relationship with with their children. They're just teaching them principles. This is the family business. Follow this. It's almost like a man to servant, even though that's a son. Sentiment is a very destructive tool if it's without principle. So am I saying sentiment is wrong? No. Am I saying being close to somebody is wrong? No. But do not substitute principle for sentiment. It will get you nowhere. But that's a bad comment. So when Jacob was cooking some stew, so like I was saying, Esau, in his looking for many opportunities, missed the opportunity. Jacob, the man of, called Jacob, or the people like Jacob, are people who understand that their opportunity will come to them. Did you hear what I've just said to you? So when we read about Job 22 the other day, when I said, acquaint yourselves, and the Bible says, and great good. Another translation says, and and prosperity will come to you. I was upstairs and I was thinking to myself, I don't ask for things. And things come my way. Do you know what I realize? That is a statement that you're acquainted. Because the man of Esau is deceived by the things of the world to thinking that you should pursue it. So that's why, like I said to you, we hear crap, I was about to swear, we hear crap like the pursuit of happiness. It's not true. The only thing you're meant to be seeking and pursuing is God. And in so doing, prosperity comes to you. So Esau was deceived by the things of the world. You see what I've just said to you? It's a big key. Esau was deceived. That's why the son Esau missed it. You're going to follow me today. Because Esau was not in himself born bad. He became somebody. He was deceived. Esau was deceived by the things of the world. Because the enticement of the things of the world is only for you to become a certain man. Let me explain that. Back to Genesis, the Bible would say that they saw that the fruit was good for food. 
And all the enticement and the beauty of that fruit that God did not want them to eat was only so that they can become a man that can die. So the enticement of things of this world is so that you can consume it. But in so doing, become an inferior man. The man of Jacob, or the man called Jacob, or the man like Jacob, is a man that will stay within the rules of covenant and word. And they know. This is not advocating for laziness because the word will still instruct you. But this is a man that knows that good or opportunities for greatness will come to them. They will not be deceived to go out into the open and try many things because then we hear people like were in the choir of a church, but then they went out into the open and they became a singer, secular person. They became a profane person. And you will hear the story, but you was in the choir in your youth. What happened? Looking for opportunities and they were not content that they can find that blessing at home. So like Esau, they went out into the open looking for the opportunities but missed it. So you would see people that they were, they're married to this person, but there's constant stories of, uh, of betrayal of husband. There's divorce, there's sickness. And you're just thinking, if only I knew that was Esau today. Anyway, once when Jacob was cooking some stew, what happened? He came back from the open country, famished, yeah? He said to Jacob, quick, let me have some of that red stew. I'm famished. That is why he was also called Edom. Okay, so you're going to take note that it was because of this moment that he was also given his name. Did you notice that Esau received his nation name by a situation rather than God? I said to you the other day, the people, the person, Esau, is called Esau, obviously. But the nation Esau is called Edom. But God didn't give him that name. His situation did. His circumstance did. Whereas Jacob, Jacob again, it looks like he's behind. Hasn't got a nation name until much later. But his name will come from God. The first will be last. And the last first. But moving on. So take note of that. Verse 31. Jacob replied, first, sell me your birthright. Mm. Look, I am about to die, Esau said. What good is the birthright to me? But Jacob said, swear to me first. So he swore an oath to him, selling his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau despised his birthright. Also underline that. So Esau despised his birthright. So Esau belittled his birthright. You know, he is a descendant of Abraham. A right was given to Abraham. And this will be passed through generations. Yeah, it'll be passed through generations to each generation. So yeah, it'll be passed through generations for it to continue. We're going to go to where God says, why did God, or what's the question I'm asking here? Why did, oh yeah, why did God get to a place where he says, Jacob I love, Esau I hated? 
because Esau despised God. Yeah? You see what I said now? It will look like I'm putting my words into it, right? Then Jacob gave Esau some bread and some lentil stew. He ate and drank and then got up and left. So Esau <laughs> despised his birthright. Imagine giving a gift to somebody, yeah? And, you know, for someone to scorn what you've given them. Have you ever known how you felt to it? You've done good for somebody. And they've belittled what, they get, what you've given them. Did you notice that the emotion wasn't in the gift? The emotion was in you. Uh, I gave something to Charles. And when I gave him that thing... He despised that thing. But that thing cannot feel emotion. It's the giver of the thing that feels the emotion. So the rejection of that thing was the rejection of that, what that person can offer them. God, why did you hate Esau? Because Esau became a person that hated God. Malachi chapter 1. Let's read from verse 1. A prophecy. The word of the Lord to Israel through Malachi. Mm. I have loved you, says the Lord. But you ask, how have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Was not Esau Jacob's brother? Were they not of the same womb? Were they not the same people? Were they not brothers? Were they not part of the same house? Part of the same church? But what happened? Read for me. Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares yeah. the Lord? Yet I have loved Jacob. Yet I have loved Jacob. But Esau... I have hated. Let's read this in the Amplified. In the Amplified Classic, maybe, actually. I have loved you, says the Lord. Yet you say... How and in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, says the Lord. Yet I loved Jacob, Israel. Yet I loved Jacob, Israel. But, I love how this version says it, go on. But, in comparison with the degree of love I have for Jacob, I have hated Esau, Edom. Do you, do you, do you understand what that means? God said that, Jacob provoked my hatred for Esau. You know, I read to you a scripture the other day that, you know, because you are precious and honored in my sight, when I was speaking about the house of exchange, I said, because you're honored and precious in my sight, I will exchange the life of people for yours. Jacob became a man that whenever God saw Jacob, it provoked him to hate Esau. The just reason for why God would hate Esau was first, Esau first hated God. Two, God can find someone like him who chose him. Should I tell you another trap that you have? Because God says, I have set a stone where? In Zion, not outside of it. Do you know what the trap is? 
the love and commitment of your neighbor can provoke God's hatred for you if you're not careful. Because the Bible says, but in comparison with the degree of love I have for Jacob, I have hated Esau. In other words, God is thinking, your brother, your same, he's you, can serve me. Can passionately look for the word. He is in situations like you. He struggled like you struggled. He went through all kinds of... He is also trying to eat like you're trying to eat. But you see him. It will have to be that you've hated me for him to have loved me. Meaning that if he's the same person and he can love me and you don't love me, you have chosen not to love me. Again, that would still see like, it seem like I'm saying stuff. But the Bible says, but in comparison. So why do you have to be careful? Why does the Bible then say that we should not be unequally yoked? But the Bible then says that the house of God, there must be one heart and mind. It's because you see the problem. When God sees someone that is not in sync, he kills them. Uh, sorry that I have to be as dramatic as that, but that's the New Testament way. He kills them. In his mind, they, do no, they no longer exist. They are not part of his plan. But in comparison, so I want it to be that my, so do you know what it should be? It should not be that your, the degree of love on your life from God provokes the hatred of God over your life. When you see the love of God, over, so let me just make it clear. When I see the way God loves Pastor Toby, because I'm connected to him, it provokes me to love God more. Rather than me becoming someone, if I had time, I would tell you, I'll show you scripture where the Bible says that you should be careful that you do not allow, you should not despise the grace and you should not allow this, um, the, for bitterness to grow. When someone despises something, bitterness will grow. When someone appraises something, they will also grow in that grace. COD, are you still on and listening to me? But in comparison with the degree of love I have, I have for Jacob, I have hated Esau. Romans 9, chapter, 13, chapter 9, verse 13 will also say, Jacob I have loved, Esau I have hated. So to add a bit more foundation to what I'm saying to you, let's go to Hebrews 12. I'm thinking if I should even bother going into the Peter part of this, but I might not. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll read in the NIV. Um, just start reading. I, in fact, I think it's kind of interesting how the Bible starts. Go on. Therefore, since we are... You do know... That as much as the Bible may seem like it contradicts or almost seem like it's random. We've read scriptures, right, where it looks like verse 1 looks very different to verse 10, right? Come on, talk to me. It looks like sometimes it's like verse 1 just looks dramatically different. So that's why we've got into the habit of picking verses from a scripture, yeah? As if the Holy Spirit made a mistake. No, let's now read verse 1. Go on. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, mm. fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. 
For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? That have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement? Where are you going with all of this? Have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? Now listen to me. I said to you, before you quickly insult Esau in your ignorance, remember that Esau was a son. Whatever we was reading about Jacob and Esau was the discipline of God to make them legitimately a son. So that you don't think I'm going far away, carry on reading. It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. Yeah. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Yeah. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone who he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what, for what children are not disciplined by their father? If you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate. So you see the problem when we hear discipline, yeah? If you're a very African person, you're going to think of um, canes, rods, belts, slaps, screams, shouting delayed cries and all of those things. You're going to think of all of those things, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when your mom wakes you up with a slap. Amazing. Discipline is, when you think of discipline, you think of restraint. So the problem with Esau was that he despised discipline. He was too free. Uh, Okay, so that I don't go into too many things. He was too free. He was given too much license in his life. And so he became. Whereas Jacob can only remain within four walls. He was restrained. He was disciplined. Did you notice that Esau has never come up with the talk and the fear of Isaac, even though Isaac loved him? That was the talk of Jacob. Jacob was restrained at home and eventually can go outside and said, you would have deceived me or you would have stolen this from me or you would have taken this from me if it had not been for the God of my father and the fear of Isaac. So what made or what pushed Jacob into the place of the blessing? He lived a disciplined life. Discipline does not mean you do not make mistakes. You just know where to cross and where not to. Please take note of that. Because the reason why I'm saying that you should not boast and be shouting, oh, Esau, the great fornicator, is because if you're ignorant, you would then say that anyone... So here's the question. Can a true believer fall into sexual sin? What do you think? Can a true believer fall into sexual sin? According to scripture, no. But can a believer stumble? Yes. So can you stumble 
in what is stumbling, does it include sexual sin? Yes. Do you know what the sin is? The Bible says, according to, the, um, according to scripture, a child of God cannot continue. Meaning, they do not become that person. Continuing in something, you are not that person. Can, I'm getting somewhere, that's the reason why I'm asking you this question. Can a believer sometimes lose sight of spirituality and be given over to things of this world? Yes. So, where I'm leading you to, you're going to see in a moment, you realize that God is speaking something deeper than the life of Esau. So carry on reading as we get there. Go on. If you are not disciplined yeah. and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons and daughters at all. Mm. Moreover, we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and, la and live? Dis they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best. Mm -hmm. But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however... The discipline... You don't understand who I'm trying to say. So you see, all these days we're spending in the word. I said to you earlier that the fight you will have is to remain. Because everything is trying to call you out into the open. Because you're still trying to become something. There's something in the Pastor Ben that knows that he's more than what he is today. But the problem is that Esau will call him out to discover that man. Jacob will say, stay here. And to stay at home when everyone seems to be advancing outside is difficult. I don't think you've really been tested when you see people that you grew up with and it looks like things are happening. And it looks like you're a homeboy. It would then take faith for you to see it through. To know that eventually you'll become. Listen to me what I've just said. So I've seen that this times I'm looking. So this guy now has a rollie. Wow. He's, he seems. Oh, he's now driving a Range Rover. Wow. Uh, oh, he's got a mortgage. Oh, so it's possible to not fast and do it and seem like you're progressing in life. Esau is calling you outside. Jacob would say, uh, Stay within covenant. Do not fret when the wicked prosper. Their end is sure. <laughs> Stay at home. That's your fight. And you see, the discipline of remaining is not pleasant. You want to be free. You want to enjoy the things of this world. But painful it is for Jacob to remain at home. In case you think that's just Pastor Obi's story, Pastor Toby would see his friends who are advancing in many things. They're driving the cars. They have the people. They have the money. But here's someone asking, can I use your room to pray? Painful is discipline at the time. But it was going to produce a righteousness, a standing with God that no man can bring down. If you allow yourself to be trained by it, if you allow yourself to stay. So how does he say that you remain? He says, strengthen your feeble arms. And weak knees because to stay here is you know you're experiencing weakness because the appeal of the world is growing. No, what you don't understand is that Adam and Cole beca became weak because the appeal of the world was all around them. Do you remember that God placed a tree that they were not to eat from in the middle? So it was constantly in their face. 
No, the, the advancement of your friends, the advancement of certain people is constantly in your face. Social media is constantly in your face that will make you say, why don't I travel? Imagine you're longing to go to a country that you've never been to. Have you ever sat down and asked yourself, why? <laughs> you know, it, because it's normal. But you've never, I will understand if you've been there and say, okay, because I've enjoyed it, let me go. It's Esau calling you to experience the open and the wild. But you see, what we're going to see is that whatever Esau was called out to betrayed him. Because he went out there to look for a better life only to know that it only lured him away from the opportunity. Because when Isaac would now say, bring game for me to eat so I can bless you, it was the call of Esau that made him miss the opportunity. Your opportunity for greatness is never outside of the house of covenant. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms so that you can remain. And weak knees, again, the appeal for you to go outside is so great. And do not then curse yourself because you can feel that appeal growing. No, it's just indicating to you that closer you are to the blessing. You are closer, and if you can strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees, you'll be immovable. Make levels part, level paths for your feet, yeah? So that the lame may not be disabled. But rather? Healed. Amazing story of Jacob. But carry on anyway. 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone. Now look at what the warning, and this is my main scripture. And because I started, I've gone on, I won't go into Peter today. Even though I really want to. But verse 14, it says, now, this is the warning. The warning of the preacher. To who? The believer. The believer is meant to enter sonship because the son is the firstborn of the dead. Other sons are meant to follow. What you have to understand is that you're not meant to be a servant. People that stay at the feet of something are only servant people. People that can behold a face are friends, are sons. So now he's speaking to those who can become sons too. And he says what? Make every effort, first of all, go on. To live in peace with everyone. Yeah. And to be holy. And to be holy. Your effort. I realize when PT says when he sees many people doing things, he does the opposite. That is him making an effort to be consecrated. The moment your life looks like everybody else, you know you're not holy. Holiness is not being void of sin. It's being separated to God, which includes being void of sin. But it's more the oneness with God. It's being separated. So again... Look, if Pastor Obi looks like everybody else, yes, outwardly we can dress the same, but if my life is exactly like everybody else, I already know that I'm not called out for a special purpose. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? So he says, first of all, the warning I have to give you is make every effort to live in peace. So yes, you'll be amongst people that frustrate you. The instruction is do everything to keep peace to keep wholeness, to keep unity, and to be holy. Do not live the life that's predictable. Do not live the life that everyone can see. 
Because the Bible says without this consecration, you will never see the Lord. Are you listening to me, COD? Verse 15, we're getting somewhere, go on. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Now, look at this scripture. I, say, I quoted this scripture just a while ago. See to it. Meaning that it's your responsibility that no one falls short of the grace of God. The thing given to you without your work. See to it that no one falls short of it. Because if you fall short of it, what will happen in return is that a bitter root will grow up. It will cause trouble and it will defile many. God did not hate Esau. God was trying to write a story about the flesh and the spirit and how they should work together. But the problem is, is that in the course of God telling a story, Esau became someone that fell short of the glory of God or the grace of God. And what grew up in him? Bitterness. It grew up and it caused trouble. There was affliction. You know what was so sad? That at the moment when God blessed through Isaac, their only two sons, both sons left home. There was no more peace in that home. Because someone in that home, rather than walking in the grace of God, grew up to having a bitter root. Now, not only did they cause trouble, for over 20 years, Jacob could not return home. But it defiled many. So now the story of Esau now becomes a pattern for many generations. Many are defiled by the character of Esau because whatever you permit in this world will remain because you're eternal souls. Meaning that you would hear, this is me going a bit far now, but you would hear that someone behaves and acts like someone that used to exist. A character produced a way of life. No, do you understand what I'm saying? Let me explain this a bit more. So what do they call it in the Afri when you've come up, you've been born, um, I've forgotten the word. It's like you're born, someone has died, and then a ch let's say a grandfather has died. Huh? Reincarnation, yeah? But was you going to say something different? Okay, so reincarnation, in quote. You've come and you have the total likeness of a character that someone introduced to the world. You're no different. So Esau, the problem with Esau is that he's introduced a character that many can now follow. So that you don't think, you don't think this is wild that I'm saying, Abraham introduced faith and now many can live in faith. So now the Bible goes as far Rebirth or reincarnation, yeah. So the Bible goes as far that anyone that now mirrors faith reminds God of Abraham. So Esau, the bitter root you caused, not only did it bring trouble to your time, but it brought trouble for many times, defiling many. Now, please, can we read the next verse properly? Yeah, because this is now my main point of the whole word today. And I'll begin to wrap up with this. See that no one is sexually immoral. Carry on reading. Or is godless like Esau, who for a single... Was Esau called a fornicator? What was his biggest issue? He was godless. 
Why did I say that? Because look, a believer here can be called still a prostitute. Rahab. But if they were calling, if fornication was an attribute to Esau, then she shouldn't have been blessed. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? Because I need you to get this part. The biggest problem with Esau was that he was godless. He became godless. But you see why it offended God more? Because he grew up in the house of covenant. Do you know who always gets judged more? Not the world, the church. Because the church can live godless in ignorance to God. Whereas someone in the house of God has to see God and directly reject him to become godless. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau. He could not have been speaking to the world because many people in the world were godless. He was talking about Esau. Who is Esau? A son of covenant. See that no one is sexually immoral or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit this blessing, he was rejected. Who rejected him, guys? Do you remember who rejected him? Please, we're reading the same Bible. It was Isaac. Do you know what's so sad about that? Isaac loved Esau, but rejected Esau. Why? Because Esau had put Isaac in a position where he can only attribute the blessing justly. It couldn't be sentiment. The Bible says even though he sought the blessing with tears, this was an emotional moment between Isaac and Esau. Esau begged the father he knew loved him. Esau begged the man that he knew he had a sentimental relationship with. Isaac took pleasure in Esau, but God could not allow Isaac to give that blessing because Isaac, I mean, because Esau had become someone that despised God. Remember that he despised his birthright. He sought the blessing with tears, but he could not change what he had done. Please, let's read this in a few translations so I can leave it. I won't go into Peter today. Amplified classic. You know I love Amplified classic. We'll read Amplified, then we'll read Good News translation, then we'll read J.B. Phillips. What is God saying to us? I told you that God is committed to blessing. But you see, God's big issue and why he has to make an agreement with you is that, you see, I said to you yesterday, so that you don't think these are very different words. I tried to tell you yesterday that when God said it is not good for man to be alone, I told you that the Hebrew for alone was talking about becoming separated, moving apart. So God said it's not good for a man's heart to be away from mine. Now, here's the issue. The problem with an Adam was that as he's moving apart from God, God has created help for him. This help was to, kind of, to reinstate relationship between himself and God. 
But you see what I said to you was, how was Adam's heart pulling away from God? He was exposed to things. No, you know why I said that conversation is changing? It's because God starts to open up scripture to us. That's why it sounds like it's very revelational. But you see, when I'm saying it, it don't sound revelational. It's actually very simple, but I get it. God's just opening our eyes to certain things. Adam's heart, remember I said to you that Adam could not have experienced loneliness because he had not yet known what it means to have someone beside him. So it couldn't have been loneliness that he was experiencing. But what God then showed us is that alone there was not talking about loneliness, but rather separation from God. Now, here's the issue. How then was Adam becoming separated from God? He was surrounded by things. Are you listening to what I'm saying to you? He was surrounded by a river that had gold flowing in it. He was surrounded by trees that looked beautiful for food. Satan was somewhere hiding behind all of these things. But he is the one that uses things to lure you. Because Satan can actually do nothing by himself to hurt you. What he does is that he allows things to be amplified before your eyes so you can choose it. Remember the story when they hired a prophet to curse the Israel. And they said, listen, I can't curse who God has blessed. The only thing you can do is make them reject God themselves. So what am I trying to say to you as we're going out into the world? Tomiwa, a Chrissy, a Pastor Obi, a Paris. If you go out into the world, the knowledge you need to know is that even just being around these things can pull your heart from me. I know that you say, God, I won't turn away from you, but I need you to know this. So you can really guard your heart properly. That being around fame will naturally pull your heart away from me. Being around money and acceptance and relevance will naturally pull your heart away from me as it did with Adam. You will ask Solomon, how did you lose your place with God? He just kept surrounding himself with things, women. And you will say, how did you start worshipping the idols? He kept seeing these things until it took his heart from God. So this is why God speaks to us at length like this, saying that I have brought you here to write my laws in your heart so that when you go out there, you can't forget me. Because there's an agreement. Listen, God wants to bless you. The blessing is upon you and I, but you see, it's an agreement matter. I will give you all that you want if you follow me. Where did Satan learn that from? From God. God had constantly through Deuteronomy saying, I will bless you if you observe my law. Then one day Satan came to Christ and said, listen, I'll give you the kingdoms of the world if you bow before me. Satan cannot produce anything new. He only copies. So what God wants us to understand is the days when PT used to say, when you grow financially, then Satan will try to bargain a deal with you. So now I get why God one day looked at Abraham and said, walk before me faithfully. Because faithfulness will only be required. It will only be a demand required where you can become unfaithful. You can't show faithfulness in the house of God. You, like I said, you can't show that you are a faithful partner before everybody. It's where people can't see you. 
Do you understand these things? Read it in the Amplified Classic. Do we have it on the screen, please? Go on. Exercise foresight and be on the watch to look after one another, to see that no one falls back from and fails to secure God's grace, his unmerited favor and spiritual blessing. Yeah. In order that no root of resentment, rancor, bitterness or hatred shoots forth and causes trouble and bitter torment and the many become contaminated and defiled by it. Mm that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become profane. Do you see that? Please, in your own time, in fact, let me not even drag this any. Check what profane means. Someone that gives no regard or reference to holy things. It says, do everything. It says that no one may become guilty of sexual vice or become a profane person. As Esau did. What was God's issue with Esau? He became someone that gave no regard to God anymore. The good news, news translation would say something along the lines like, be careful that you do not become unspiritual. So you see, as you get into the world, what is the world's duty to make you more secular? What you're meant to be is remain spiritual. Why would Daniel prosper in Babylon, a secular place? Because he remained spiritual even when secularism was calling for him to become silent in his spirituality. Can you remain spiritual? Again, these moments when it seems like we're going length after length, time after time in the word, word it's because God's writing certain agreements on your heart. And as you're hearing, when you make the decision to say, God, I will not allow this. That's you accepting God's word. And listen, in a moment... Is it not God that can turn the world upside down in a moment? In a moment, you will stumble into the thing that lifts you in a moment. So you see me. I'm, people will know physically. I don't like, let, let me not say it like that. But I'm eating very late in the day. I would prefer to eat earlier. Let, let me just use that as a small example. But I understand that God's doing a work in us. And you see, I now get it that you see when God's doing a work in you, you don't think of food. That's why people fasted without realizing they're fasting. We're going through a period and I beg you, why do I spend this time saying these things? Do not wait for the flood to come before you realize that what he was preaching was actually trying to prepare the ark. Because in the days when Noah was preaching, people were given to all kinds of activities. And these activities, like I said to you, they were not bad. They were not sins. They were just the wrong activity for the wrong season. Good news translation, do you have it? Then finally, Phillips. Let no one become immoral or unspiritual like Esau, who for a single meal sold his rights as the older son. Mm. Afterwards, you know, he wanted to receive his father's blessing, but he was turned back because he could not find any way to change what he had done, even though in tears he looked for it. Let's go to Phillips. I wanted to go into Peter, and Peter is a proper story, but maybe another day. I won't attempt to go into it today. Go on. Let it be your ambition to live at peace with all men and to achieve holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. 
Be careful that none of you fails to respond to the grace which God gives. For if he does, there can be very easily spring up in him a bitter spirit, which is not only bad in itself, but can also poison the lives of many others. Be careful, too, that none of you falls into impurity yeah. or loses his reverence for the things of God. Do you hear that? Be, make sure. Again, these are personal words. Make sure that nothing makes you lose your reverence. You know the way you handle your finances. The way you handle seed. Your attitude towards the world. Because you see this world, like I said to you, it's duties to make you become worldly. So what happens is that a businessman or someone that has money, when a pastor calls for a word, they're just thinking, I have more money in your account, so I can't, I can't listen to you. Wrong. Reverence. Do not become somebody that has no regard for God's word. And I want to end here, but, but carry on reading. And let me just end here. Go on. And then, like Esau, is ready to sell his birthright to satisfy the momentary hunger of his body. Remember how afterward, when he wanted to have the blessing, which was his birthright, he was refused. He never afterwards found the way of repentance, though he sought it desperately and with, and with tears. Esau sought it desperately with tears. Esau groaned, cried for the blessings. He really wanted it, but do you know what's the problem? He didn't understand that repentance is not for things, it's for him. Let me explain that. In all of this, Esau still didn't repent for the relationship he lost with God. He only repented for the things. I want to end here in saying that, look, he regretted, he repented, but he got to a place that he cannot received the blessings that was made for him. But you see what I want you to know for sure? He didn't leave empty-handed either. If you remember the story, Isaac gave him the most simplest of blessing, a compensation. But what left Esau bitter for the rest of his life was knowing that I'm meant to be, I'll just use this example, I'm meant to be someone that is a billionaire. I'm meant to be a leader of nations. But I was only able to access a few hundred Ks and a small church in the corner. What God has for you is the greatest and the best. And if you miss it, your heart will bleed. So why does God speak to us like this as I round up? God it's writing and it's speaking to our hearts saying that, look, the demand for where you need to be will cost you everything. The payment for an alakon to see Christ, the face of God, is going to be everything that he is. And we went into scripture that we saw that the problem is that you must not allow Esau to call you out into the open because it's a trap. Looking for the opportunity only to miss the opportunity. The man at home, he's undergoing discipline and it may not be a pleasant time. But when he is trained by it, he will be full in all he's meant to be. He will prosper in all he has to be. I've spoken for very long today. 
But I want you to take these words and maybe whenever we have the chance to go into Peter, you would see his difference. We'll be able to see that God has a plan for you and I. And there's a breed of people that he wants to show forth to the world as the first fruit, the evidence of a coming harvest. It's your responsibility today to say that I as Jacob will remain until he is done with me. Knowing that I will not miss my opportunity, but my opportunity will come to me. I love you all. Enjoy your day. Bye, guys.